What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Tuesday, June 28th, just baseball show, and we've got Tucker Davidson back on the pod. This is a recurring guest again. Shout out the recurring guest. And for anyone who didn't think that we would make it, we got Tucker Davidson on left-handed pitcher for the Atlanta Braves. So, I mean, we're there, Jack. We're slowly Uh, getting there. We're making it. Yeah, I think so. Um, We talked to Tucker about a bunch of different things. This also kind of kicks off interview week. Um, So we've got Tucker Davidson today. We've got Darren Ravel tomorrow, which yes. will be super interesting. We'll talk about collected uh, collectibles. We'll talk about betting with him. That'll be you and Aram talking to him. And then uh, Aram and I, before we recorded with Tucker Davidson earlier today, today being Monday uh, evening, we're at 5 p.m. now. Um, Are we sure? I, Remember, we debated, or is it evening? Is it afternoon? Late I mean, it's, afternoon. It's five, late so afternoon. It's, yeah, it's late afternoon. Let's get um, it right. <laughs> earlier this afternoon, Monday afternoon, solid afternoon, Aram and I talked to Howard Kelman, who's my broadcast partner with the Indianapolis Indians. He's on year 46. And this guy is a baseball historian and a baseball encyclopedia with a sense of humor. So um, I, I highly recommend. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you can either pick two of your three favorites. I would recommend just listening to fucking three of them. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. There we go. Uh, Jose Barrios can't uh, get outs right yeah. now. What's okay. the deal? Okay, so I'm watching him against the Brewers, right? And this, I guess, like, come on, Brios. I know the Brewers offense, like, has been playing better lately, and they are a solid unit, although we said get a bat because we said a bat would take them to potentially a World Series level, but still a good offense. You know, he's on the road. Maybe it might be a tough start, okay? But eight earned runs. I mean, he's looking like a low-A pitcher right now. I mean, that's, of course, he's not actually looking like one, but he's performing like one. Jose Brios has a 5.86 ERA. He's not striking out anybody. He's got a whip at 1.4 and everything is getting destroyed. And when you look at the heat maps and when you watch the game too, everything is middle. He's got no command within the middle of the strike zone at all. When I say command within the middle, that's all he's throwing. He has no command over the corners. Everything is dick high and it's getting annihilated and the blue jays i mean i was even seeing on twitter is trent thornton a better option right now than jose brios of course not but that's the kind of questions that are being asked right now because he simply cannot pitch we keep looking for that bounce back start and we saw it but then he gets blown up again it's and the Blue Jays have now fallen to fourth place in the AL East. I know they're still a game and a half back of the Red Sox, and they're playing them tonight. So this could change by the time this interview comes out. But this is a problem, especially we'll see how Gosman again throws tonight too. Manoa is fine. But besides that, Kikuchi has been also terrible. It's just, it's a big problem. And we gave the Red Sox all this flack for their pitching, when in reality, this is a Blue Jays problem. It's a Blue Jays problem. R- tying the bow on Jose Barrios. He's I got, got very emotional there. I, I, was, <laughs> I, was, I understand. <laughs> I was yelling. Tying the bow on Jose Barrios. He's got the highest percentage of pitches he's ever thrown in the strike zone in any year in his career. So he's throwing more pitches in the strike zone than ever before. Hitters are swinging at more pitches than ever before. And oh, by the way, they've got the lowest whiff rate against him in his entire career. So he's throwing more pitches that are dick shot fastballs that dudes are sending to the moon. To it the makes moon. a lot of sense. It does make sense. You know, you throw more pitches down the middle and you throw it all the time. Hitters just assume that you're not having that breakaway slider that's breaking off the plate. No, it's just breaking right into the middle of the zone. So they pick a zone and they just mash, like pick middle. Because you're going to see one or two pitches middle in every single at-bat, it seems like. Last year, opponents hit 221 against him. What do you think opponents are hitting this year against Jose Barrios? 
off the top of my head, 221 last year. I'm going to guess 300. 280. 282. That's, that's very, low. very high. Yeah. I mean, what's the, like, okay. So, for example, I'm, I'm not on the baseball savant. You know what the expected batting average is against Brios? What? 311. Oh, my God. I mean, he's. He's due to regress, bro. He has a <laughs> 6.42 ERA, a 6.42 XERA. Do you know what percentile that's in? Uh, third. third percentile? Third. Okay. Interesting. He, he, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Qualified starters, batting average against. Herman Marquez has the highest. <laughs> Jordan Lyles, Jose Arquiti. Jose Barrios. And then a really interesting name, Kevin Gosman, right behind him. That makes zero sense. Makes no sense. But qualified starters, ERA. Kyle Hendricks has a 4.9. Jordan Lyles has a 4.94. There are two guys with an ERA over five. Herman Marquez has a 5.58. And Jose Barrios has a 5.86 ERA. I, Jack. He signed to be an ace, right? Seven that years, 131. That was the whole thing. Jose Brios is this ace. But also, at the same time, you do see flashes, though. I mean, he's yeah, had I mean, of stars. Of course you do. But that's the thing. It's like, is this guy going through just a, the worst stretch of his career? Or is he just not that good of a pitcher anymore? I do lean that this is the worst stretch of his career and that he will be fine. It's important for us to cover because the blue Jays need him right now. And he just can't turn in anything good. Like what does fine look like is my big thing. I don't know. What's the, when Jose Barrios gets out of this, what is, what's he going to provide at his best consistently? You know, like obviously he'll have flashes where he goes seven innings to shut out ball, but I'm talking like consistently is the old Barrios gone. Like, can we, you know what? I don't know. I, I don't know how this, because um, to calculate ERA, um, it's like times nine. So is, if he goes seven, if he goes seven innings, three <laughs> runs, what's that ERA? What is it? Three times nine, 27 divided by seven. Do you have 27 divided by seven memorized by chance? <laughs> 27 divided by seven. No, I don't. Uh, that's a three, eight, five. That's what I think. Do you, you think, think that makes sense? Or do you think he's lower than that? I mean, if he can give you that outing after outing, I mean, the, the length of the outing is important. Yeah, but you but, don't pay $131 million for a three, eight, five. Okay. Then you tell me what you think he is. Dude, I don't fucking know. (laughs) (laughs) Good analysis there. How about the fact that Vinny Pascatito got called up? Yeah, shout out Vinny P. Thanks for getting me off the Barrios thing. I'm just frustrated because I was so sold on Barrios. I know. Um, Yeah, the Italian breakfast is up. Vinny Pasquantino got the call because Carlos Santana got traded uh, for two minor league arms. How about that? The Royals grabbed two arms and they trade a guy to get out of the way of the best hitter in the international league so far this year, Vinny Pasquantino and Alec Burleson, who's the guest on the call up that just came out yesterday, by the way, go listen to that. Um, those are the two best hitters in the international league so far this year, which is the Eastern side of triple a baseball. Um, but yeah, I mean, watching Vinny this year and watching him progress, Arm calls it the Ty France effect. That's exactly mm. what it is. This guy has no like, really loud tools he's not physically gifted he's a big guy but he's not you know super athletic or anything but he's gonna hit around 300 he's got some power he's gonna walk a lot he's not gonna strike out he's just a really really good hitter and it's it's gonna be just really exciting to see him up too because he's also seems like a guy who won't go through like this big lull where he's got this big strikeout problem like he can kind of hit the ground running am i right on that yes and I really want to give you, um, before we break into Tucker, can you give me two minutes on G1 Bay? On G1 Bay. Yeah, yes. I can absolutely. I want to know about G1 Bay. G1 Bay. Um, so just wrapping on Vinny, you know, Vinny and Nick Prado were at the same level. They were on the same team, Omaha, uh, the AAA for the Royals. And like, 
you know, everybody was saying, get Wit, MJ, Prado, and Vinny up. And one of them was going to DH, one of them was going to play first. Prado has struggled so far this year. Like, you see that Prado is still growing. There was nothing that Vinny was doing that made me think that he needed another game in Omaha after the first year. He was there for two months too long. So, finally, Dayton Moore trades Carlos Santana. Maybe he, you know, has greener pastures out in Seattle. We'll see what Carlos Santana can do for Seattle. But Kansas City, they just got two pitchers, and they just cleared up a spot for Vinny Pasquantino. But G1 Bay, I've watched him every game for the last three months, and uh, I, I know you saw some G1 Bay on Twitter. He is really, really good. And all the eyes in terms of the Pirates are on O'Neill Cruz, obviously. Clearly. Are on... Jack Sawinski, obviously, are on Rowanzi Contreras when he's on the mound. Um, then you see Kanan Smith and Jigba, Cal Mitchell, Travis Swagger. Like, they've all come up. Jiwan Bay is the guy that hasn't come up that should be next. Um, he's one of the best hitters in AAA baseball. This guy, let me let me pull up his exact numbers, but I'll tell you, if everything goes right for Jiwan Bay at the big league level, he's one of the best leadoff guys in all of Major League Baseball because he's going to hit 300 with an OBP right around 375, 380. He's got the ability to hit 15 bombs. He's got a lot more power in the bat than you would expect. I was talking to the, um, to the Indianapolis Indians hitting coach, Eric Munson, about it. And I was like, what do you like about Bay? Because obviously he's got, you know, that swing. He's from South Korea. He, he drifts a little bit, like you see with Ichiro, like you see with a lot of those guys that come over, obviously Ichiro Japanese, but kind of same concept where they keep yeah. the barrel in the zone for a very long time. And it almost looks like they're dragging like those softball players that run up and, and are slap hitters. But Bay, he gets under a lot of pitches too. He lifts them and he sends them way deeper than you would expect. And Eric Munson, the Indians hitting coach said, there's way more pop in there than I think anybody understands. Jiwan Bay can hit 300, 380 OBP, 15 homers, and he flies. He's the fastest guy in the pirate system. He can legitimately steal 25 to 30 bags. Uh, Jiwan Bay, so far this year with Indianapolis, <laughs> is, as I pull it up, through 65 games, hitting 319 with a 383 OBP. He's slugging 496. He's got 15 doubles, four triples seven homers, 37 driven in, getting 65 games, 26 walks, just 45 punch outs, and he's got 18 backs. As much as I love Cabrian Hayes leading off for the Pirates, I mean, maybe you put Cabrian in the three hole. Or they two. got Brian Reynolds too. They got Brian Reynolds at the two hole. I feel like he's kind of slotted in there. You're going to have O'Neill Cruz. You're going to have Jack Sawinski, Bay, Jack. This Pirates team, bro. They're exciting. They're really, really exciting. And you get to call their games all the time. It must be phenomenally fun. It's really fun. And Bay, again, as a 22-year-old in AAA, a 16% K rate and a 9% walk rate. And I don't think Tucker, you know, we we, uh, we were picking Tucker's brain after two, and he just said, this guy, Jiwon Bay, tough out. He said toughest left-handed hitter that he's faced. I feel like that speaks for itself. So with that, let's speak with Tucker Davidson. Officially recurring guest, Tucker Davidson. That's kind of fun, right? <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's fun to me. Hey, it's fun to us, man. This is uh, Tucker Davidson, left-hander for the Braves. He's currently with Gwinnett right now. Where are you at? Are you in Gwinnett County at the moment? You probably don't even have to move when you get called up versus, you know, option. I know you've been bouncing back and forth a little bit so far this year. What? It's an hour from ballpark to ballpark, right? Yeah, it's like 45 minutes to an hour, depending on Atlanta traffic. So it could end up being two hours some days. Um, but I'm like kind of in the middle in like Sandy Springs area, which is kind of it's like 20 minutes to Truist Field in the big leagues and then 30 minutes to Gwinnett. So, but we were in Nashville last week and we got in at 4 a.m. And then we fly out tomorrow morning to Norfolk to start okay. another series. So I pitch tomorrow, so I'm flying to Norfolk and then pitching that night. So that'll be interesting. So when you're barely getting any sleep, I mean, just jumping between, because even, um, you know, we're, article, we're talking articles, we're talking betting even, we talk about all these travel days. Like, do you have any tips, especially coming off no sleep, you know, going airplane to airplane? Like, what's the best tip for feeling your best after sleeping three hours and going on plane after plane? 
You got to hydrate. Um, you got to hydrate for sure. My big thing is I got called up to go pitch in Milwaukee. I found out like 10 PM the night before. So I had to drive to Gwinnett, drive back, get all my stuff. And then I got called up, flew out that morning and then I actually pitched pretty well. And then I had a outing like two weeks later in Jacksonville and I was supposed to pitch the next day. And they're like, Hey, tomorrow morning, you got to fly to Atlanta. We might have uh, like some like COVID or somebody was not feeling well and they're waiting for test results to get back. They're like, you might have to like go up there and pitch or something like that. So I flew to Atlanta 15 minutes into the air. They text me like, Hey, all good. We don't need you. We're going to send you straight back. So yeah, that was crazy. Um, so it's just kind of in my coffin on flights. And then it's just kind of, you got to be hydrated. You got to kind of just be locked in, but you kind of have to sleep on the plane and kind of just enjoy your time and keep going. Are you team neck pillow? Cause that, that has changed travel for me. The neck pillow. I haven't got on the neck pillow vibe yet, but I'm about to, cause my like traps. Cause I like think I'm sitting on like the plane, like slouched over yep. on my phone, like messing around. Yep. So I need to like, kind of like work on my posture. I think more often as I'm just sitting around doing nothing. So I'm kind of, I was going to go to the uh, bed bath and beyond today and like, look at new oh, pillows yeah. and be like, maybe it's cause I'm sleeping on weird on the hotel pillows or whatever the case may be. I'm telling you, man, I learned it 2019 when I was in short season ball, the New York Penn league, when I was calling games oh, for the yes. upper and double days, I was on those short season buses and the buses get better from short season, a ball to triple a ball. They're not the same buses. So I was on, I was on the bottom of the totem pole when it came to buses and I was wearing a neck pillow and I, I felt like I was sleeping on clouds. It was awesome. And okay. we've taken, I'll remember that we've taken a lot of time to talk travel and also for <laughs> some reason, but I think it's important too, because um, I was just listening to an interview um, from you after your first big league win. We're talking with Tucker Davidson of the Atlanta Braves got his first big league win against the Brewers five shutout innings. You looked phenomenal. And when they were interviewing you after dude, I mean, the smile on your face, you look like you were an absolute cloud nine. It was awesome. It was just great to see you pitch so well against a Brewers lineup. That's pretty disgustingly good. Mm -hmm. So, but then you also talked about the travel, like moving up, like what about that start to when you go back up and back down, like you were at your absolute best against the Brewers. What do you take from that kind of start from start to start when you know, I, man, I was at my peak. I mean, you threw five shutout innings against the Brewers. You kind of have to take it what it is. You kind of have to look at the positives. Then you have to look at the negatives. What did you do well? What did you do poorly? And I think that game, I had a really good curveball, but my fastball command wasn't very great. I kind of fell behind on guys later in the innings. And like, I only threw like 70, no, I threw 69 pitches. I remember that. 69 well, pitches in five, <laughs> nice, nice. in five innings. And, uh, but like I have, I've been built up to a hundred pitches. And so it's like, I had that, but in those later fourth, fifth inning, I was getting a little shaky, starting to walk guys. And it was like more, maybe I was fatigued from flying or just like the atmosphere, whatever the case may have been. So you kind of have to look at that, like, okay, deeper in the game, I got to slow the game down more. I got to take a deep breath and still execute pitches and not just walk guys. And that's something I kind of realized since getting sent back down because I've had the Milwaukee game pitch great. Philly comes to town was all over the place couldn't locate my slider really struggled went back out five days later against the marlins and was better but it was still kind of nibbling at corners not just attacking guys and so that was a big emphasis of being sent down and i think like three of the last four outings i've punched nine out nine or plus more with no walks or one walk something like that and then against indianapolis the other day it was kind of it was a hot humid game didn't have feel for I didn't have a curveball at all. I threw three in the first two innings and it was kind of, I don't have this today. And it was one of those things that I should have kept throwing it to get, to see if I could figure it out, but I just didn't. And I kind of battled that and it was fastball slider. So guys were able to sit on pitches. They were able to spit if it's low and they know it's going to be a slider versus a fastball. So that was kind of a outing. And then I had this last one where I really was, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to compete. Nashville is one of the best triple A teams. And it was just really, let's go out there and compete, let my stuff play. And then, went seven innings or six and two thirds and didn't walk anybody and struck out nine. So it's kind of one of those just continue to attack. And when you get to those three, two, don't be trying to nibble. Just here it is. You like let them hit it because if they get themselves out, they get themselves out. I was going to ask you about that bounce back start in Nashville. Did you just had, because I I'm sure it was a similar mental reset to the one that you have probably when you hear from the Braves that you're going from Atlanta to Gwinnett, right? You got to You got to mm -hmm. scrub it and you got to go out and pitch your game, right? Because they call up good pitchers and you are a good pitcher. Yes. You've gotten called up several times here. So, you know, I'm curious, like you have that outing against Indy or you have that outing against the Phillies. How quickly can you just scrub that and get right back to it and say, you know what? I'm really good at this pitching thing. Let's go do it five days from now. 
I think it's a lot of things you have to just keep self-talking to yourself over the course of the few days and you go into your bullpen on your second day and you're like, I'm really good at this. And then you go and you th throw a really good bullpen. You have the confidence, like I am still nasty. I can still execute pitches. I can do this. It's more the mental mindset of you can't get down on yourself and not have the confidence whenever you're, I throw 95, like if I'm, it's still 95, they still have to hit 95. So it's one of those don't nibble at the corners. Like here it is, hit it. Yeah. And if they get you, they get you make a better pitch. Or what did you do to get in that situation where they hit it? And I always get, I don't get really mad about like first pitch hits, especially like innings. Cause yeah. it's like, Oh, I was just trying to get into the game. Like right. I had an 11 pitch AB to start the, uh, the game in Nashville. And I'm just fuming mad because it's yeah. like, <laughs> I want that first inning 15 pitches or less. I want to get into the dugout and our guys to go hit, just get the ball rolling. That way I can get deep into the game. And so that was really an emphasis of just let's have quick innings. Let's attack the zone. Let's get the ball on the ground and let's get these quick outs. Yeah. And I know Jack can speak to this too, because he, he just recently watched you pitch when he was calling that game, but you know what I've noticed when I'm watching pitch, dude, I mean, your velo is ticking up and up and mm -hmm. up. It even shows on the baseball savant. It's just so awesome to see. I mean, it was 92, 93, then 93, 94. And then now you're consistently in the mid nineties and it just keeps going up and up and up. And you're a big proponent of driveline. And I know you work your ass off in the off season too. Can you speak to just how, what it takes to continue to build velocity? It's, it's strength. And I'm big on the foundations of strength. You have to be strong to be able to throw a ball hard. All these kids that are coming up that are throwing 95 in high school, they're probably pretty strong. They're deadlifting 500 pounds. I'm not saying that you have to deadlift 500 pounds to throw 95. There's a lot of outliers. I mean, we've got guys that are 180 pounds soaking wet and can throw 98. And I'm just like, how? Yeah. And it's one of those you have to be strong, though. But in a course of a pro season, you're playing so much or every day. You're throwing. Your body doesn't get a lot of breaks. You have to build all that strength, their arms got to be conditioned. It's got to be ready to handle all the force day after day after day. And especially bullpen guys, they pitch every two days, two, three days. And so they have to be conditioned for one inning starters. You've got a hundred pitches and it's hot in June and July. You're going to have to deal with weather You're going to have to deal with all the travel and everything. And so I think it's more of develop something that you like and kind of run with it and try new things. Oh, I didn't like that. I like this. This didn't work for me, but this really worked for me. And I'm big on like talking to guys with, uh, hey, what do you do on your back leg? And we were talking about we had like a water. It's like a ball filled with like halfway with water. So you can kind of feel like which way the uh, force distribution is. And he was like, just think of like picking up your front leg and then like driving down on your back leg. And I had that water bag and I just you could feel like me shifting into my back leg. And that clicked for me. The other day, I can only stand up. I can probably demonstrate. This yeah, I love it. For anyone yeah. watching on YouTube, Tucker's about to. This is awesome. We're redirecting oh, everybody man. to YouTube. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if my iPad's going to have the best thing. All right. So you're here with the water. I got a yeah. gallon of water. This works. All right. So you're here, and then you get to peak leg lift, and you're feeling that motion of like. Oh, yeah. sitting in your back leg so that okay. was kind of something i could like mentally feel of okay that's how i'm supposed to be sitting and driving into my back leg and then i could get up on the mound and kind of get down there hold and then feel that and then start to drive down the mound and that was kind of a click and i was vertical break went up after that huh. i mean velo went up too and i don't know if that was just because i was focusing more on like how hard i was trying to like drive it in my back leg but that was just yeah. something that i click and then everything when you time up, pitching is so much timing, just like hitting. Whenever that arm's a little bit late, you're not going to get the same spin efficiency, that spin axis, the same vertical break and all that on your pitches. And so you might lose depth or you might cut the ball a little bit just because you're not synced up just a little bit. In turn, do you feel like your ass is almost moving forwards there? Do you feel like you're pushing with your bottom half as you feel that top half drop a little bit with that water? Yes. Okay. Yes, I do. Because this, there's a new term called the drift. And that's when you get a peak leg lift and your body's actually driving into the ground, but you're still going forward. Like your body's going there, but you're driving down. I'm um, trying to think Kyle Wright's amazing at it. We'll watch yeah, Kyle Wright and you'll see his peak of the leg lift and he'll start driving down, but his body is starting to go there. And yeah. then it's foot lands and it allows his arm to get up on time and then flick. That's very kind of been in the last like two years. This has really taken off and it's just feeling like you're not getting stuck over the rubber and then having to climb and make your arm go up and then you're having to over rotate. So it's more of keeping like the linear motion and kind of just driving down the mound. It's kind of it's just a newer term, I think, like driving down the mound.
Okay. So last year I saw the Dodgers high A affiliate in Great Lakes using that half filled ball with water. And mm-hmm. I was like, what the hell is going on here? And then yeah. you just totally explained it to me. That makes a ton of sense. You say Kyle Wright is really good at that drift, what you're supposed to feel. Mm-hmm. Are there other guys that are kind of the gold standard of that? Red Athletics is really big on it. So I think anybody that's kind of, I think uh, Clay Holmes is pretty big on that and he's taken off this year. I'm really working on it. Um, let's see, I'm trying to think who else they have. Chad Sabaka, he's not in affiliate ball, but he throws a, he threw a hundred a couple of years ago with us. And I watched a video of him the other day. And I was like, yes, that's the Chad Sabaka I remember from a couple of years ago. So he's big on that. And I think just kind of, You'll, you'll see it, and guys won't do it intentionally. Garrett Cole's really good at it, but I bet you could ask him about it, and he goes, I have no idea what like, the drift is. He probably has no idea. I think but he just naturally too. does it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that was, that's where I kind of watched DeGrom because I was watching his hands and how the hands will go up before his leg to start this, yeah. and so his arm has more time to get on time. But as he's going to his peak leg lift and his arms are starting to extend, he's starting to drift down the mound. Yes. And, and you're just surrounded. I mean, we talk about guys, you know, on other teams who are doing this, but I mean, you're surrounded by, I mean, probably the best pitching staff in AAA right now. I mean, Jack and I were talking about it before. Yeah, hands talk down. about on the big league roster too, one to five. I mean, with Spencer Strider right now, you were talking about strength earlier. He has the same amount of quads as Saquon does. I mean, this guy's unbelievable. <laughs> no matter, no matter. I mean, of course he's going hundred miles an hour, but I mean, you go down the list too. I mean, you got Kyle Muller down there. Who's doing well. You got Tukey, you got, you know, Johnstone, you got elder. I mean, there's just so many guys who are big league arms, but because the Braves have Max Freed, who's one of the best lefties in baseball, Chuck Morton is still giving you the business, you know, Kyle Wright. I mean, there's just, this is, from one to Gwinnett, it's the deepest pitching staff that we have in our league. So can you just talk about how, you know, these guys fuel you, how these guys help? Because you can pick the brain of so many talented young pitchers, and then you get to the top, and there's some of the best pitchers in baseball. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a competition pretty based in now that Spencer's kind of solidified himself kind of as the fifth guy right now because he's pitching amazing. I mean, he's going six innings against the Dodgers on Sunday Night Baseball. That's not an easy thing to do because that game's amplified already. Yeah. You have Freddie Freeman back in town. It's the Dodgers. Anytime the Dodgers are in town, it's going to be a big series. So he's done incredible. It's awesome to watch him. But and then it kind of gives us a chance down here to just go out there and compete and pitch and do our thing. And we kind of feed off each other. And Kyle Muller and I are roommates. And so like every outing, it's like a competition between like, <laughs> yeah, I, he had 11 or I had 11 in Jacksonville, his next outing. I, but I walked a guy, he didn't walk a guy against Indianapolis, but punched 11. And I'm like, okay, I go out there, had a bad one. He had a, he had, he had a good one, his next one. And then this, time through Nashville I won up them and I was like okay like so it's good just competitive balance we're feeding off each other we're throwing with each other just kind of helping each other with everything we might be pitch grips I've been working with Kyle on a slider we're working on my change up a bit and we're just really trying to like learn and everybody's been in a different path and they're with different pitching coaches coming up and everybody might have a different cue that works for them. And so you talk to them and it's like, well, what do you do for your back leg? What do you do for this? And it might be, what stretch do you do for your arm? Like I'm tight my lat. What do you usually do for your lat? Anything yeah. like that. And we're just communicating and then we're talking trash to each other. I mean, that's probably the best part of, about us is that we're like all competitive, but all friends and we all want everybody to be in the big leagues, but we understand that I can only can control what I can control. And also outside of the big leagues too, because I mean, you guys are obviously competing every single day on the field, but even off the field too, I bet there's some competitive, like, is there a Fortnite thing? Is there video games? Like, what are you guys so competitive with off the field too? A lot of guys, we have an older team. So we're kind of like either really young or older. I feel like we either have like prospects or it's your guys in their late twenties and thirties. And I think I think there's a mix of golf. A lot of guys go out and play golf yeah. and they're very competitive. Like Mondays are off days and uh, the minors. So like everybody's playing golf on Monday and I was going to play today, but it's hot. And I went to bed at 4am. So I, I was like, I'll pass just today. Baseball show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So uh, a lot of golf. Oh, ping pong in the clubhouse is mm-hmm. like, they have ranking systems. We've been talking about doing like a full blown like tournament where we seed guys I mean, it gets competitive where it's like trash talk in between things like and it'll be like game over. We won and it'll be like we'll play our victory song. And then it's like, all right, me and you on the ping pong table, like, let's go. And they'll play for two hours. They'll play for an hour. You got guys dripping in sweat. You got guys getting blisters because they're not wearing shoes. It's unbelievable. Who's the best at ping pong? We got to know. Ryan Goins. He's unbelievable. Man, how about that? Good risk. 
See, I, yes. I totally forgot. You got Ryan Goins playing short for the Gwinnett Stripers, and you have Devin Travis as one of your coaches. Do those two just yes. grow out? They probably love each yes, other. Yes, every day. Every day. Yeah. I mean, there we they go. go play golf, uh, between those two and then uh, Matt Tuiasasopa, our, uh, our manager, they're golfing all the time. Oh, and man. then I think like our hitting coach, Carlos Mendez, is really starting to figure it out. Our catching coach is starting to get into it. So like that golf is just like a big like off the field bonding for our team for sure. 100%. I want to go back to the rotation because I, I'm with you and Peter. Like that is the best rotation, okay. maybe in minor league ball as a whole, right? Because mm-hmm. um, so as an Indianapolis Indians employee, that was my least favorite week because I knew that we were seeing four or five really good arms. As a pitching dork, that was my favorite week because we were seeing four or five really good arms. And what I loved is saw Muller twice. That dude is a badass MF. You throw like mm-hmm. a badass MF. Bryce Elder throws like a badass MF. And we know how Huascari Noah throws. And seeing all four of you guys go north of 90 pitches. I mean, you throw 102 pitches in that start. I saw Muller th- flirt with 100. Elder is getting near 100 pitches. You guys are built all the way up. And we don't see very many pitchers in minor league baseball flirt with 100 pitches. I just saw Libby with Memphis. Matthew Liberator mm-hmm. gets to 104 pitches. But is it guys that are, you know, plug-and-play big leaguers that are getting to the 100-pitch threshold? All big leaguers. Yeah, it definitely is. It's those guys that are right there because it's like you can go six, seven innings and you throw 103 pitches, okay. Like you're built – you're strong enough to do that. You're able to – the mechanics are still there. The body strength, there, the velocity is still there. And if you're dominating, I don't want to be taken out of that game. And I understand I start looking at that pitch clock or a pitch counter about the fifth inning. And you're like, okay, I'm at 80 pitches. I got to have a quick one here. If I want to go back to the six, I want to do this. I want to do that. And I've been really in AAA. My goal is shoot for seven innings every time. I mean, I feel if I go five innings, it's kind of, I was all over the place. Had to use a lot of pitches, six innings. I hopefully I struck out a bunch of guys, but seven innings. I mean, that's a good feeling because you gave the team a good, good amount of the game and you could turn over two best players because if you're going seven innings, most of the time you're going two, three runs at, at the most, you know, you're kind of shoving. So it's one of those. And I think it's so fun to watch us because we, we look at other teams and you just, they, their starters just don't match up to ours and we know it. And it's one of those, let our starters work and let's turn it over the bullpen. Let's get some runs scored and we can win a lot of ball games. Real quick, I know it was a misspeak, but pitch clock, yes or no, and why? Yeah. Uh, it's it. I'm over it. I mean, I got really? I got balked the other day. I was really, like, over it because I picked off twice. He yeah. ended up, like, I threw a curveball in the dirt, like, read it, threw it down, didn't get there, but it was still the same hitter. And it was the first time we had gone through the signs, like, on second. And he did, like, fastball and then, like, pointed up for, like, fastball up, but we were going, like, second or third sign. So I didn't know if that was it. And so I threw a fastball. He was expecting a curveball. And so we like crossed over and then I like uh, something like got into like a long AB there, stepped off. It just like kind of like, hey, let's do this before the clock ran out. Oh, that's a bot guy. Went to third blooper yeah. base hit sc- guy scores. And I'm like, are you serious? And I'm just like, it's something like we don't want to do. You're not worried. You want to worry about like the pitching and making a pitch but I get the pitch clock of wanting to speed guys up because like when there's guys taking a long time you're just like get on the mound get in the box like let's go we we have all day but we don't have all day like I don't want to be here till 11 o'clock every night but games are way faster that's for sure and I think I don't know what the statistics are of like who plays the longest games in the MLB but I feel like the Atlanta Braves are number one every year so that's what I also wanted to ask you too because you know we've heard such positive things about the pitch clock but then I look back on myself I mean I don't know why I ever do that because I was a high school pitcher and and it doesn't really matter that much but I can just imagine being hurried up by a pitch like like that would take me out of my element or at least that's what I remember from when I did it and but there's been so much positivity about it that it really is speeding up the game first do you think it should be implemented in the big leagues and do you think if it was do you think it would genuinely work I think there has to be some type of pitch clock, but you can't really enforce things. Like you can't, like, I know Machado takes a long time getting into the box. You can't like, if he's taking a time and like putting his batting gloves on, doing his thing, whatever he's doing, you're not going to call strike one on him. I mean, he's making $300 million. That's not good for your brand. That's not good for the Padres. It's not good for anybody. That pitcher's like, okay, nice. Thanks. Didn't have to throw a first pitch fastball to the, one of the best hitters in the game. So, I mean, it's one of those. And I, I just disagree with a lot of things, but I understand there's a fine line of 
speeding up the game and like that's going to help grow it they think that's going to help grow the game a bit i think there's other ways i think they need to do more gambling stuff i think they need to do more uh social media approach they need to stop these blackouts they need to stop a lot of things but i think it's just one of those like you got to grow the grow the this young core because the tatis the the jazz chisholm the ronald Acuna jr i mean those guys should be everywhere. I mean, I haven't heard, I feel like I don't hear about Vlad much this year. I saw he had like 17 home runs. I'm like, yeah, he's not hitting for the same average, but he's still hitting. He's going to figure it out. And so I think it's one of those, you just got to promote more. I feel like the NBA does a very good job of using TikTok and like reels and stuff like that. And I just don't feel like we're on that same page yet. It feels like you're positioning yourself for a run of the commissioner's job when you're done playing. Um, but we will uh, we'll leave that aside. I just want to say real quick, the average time of a major league nine inning game so far this year, three hours and five minutes. The average time of a triple A game, two hours and 43 minutes. So uh, yeah. that's interesting. But I do want to talk about this, you know, younger demographic that you guys are trying to reach here. Um, because you mentioned a jazz chism, you mentioned an Acuna, you mentioned a Fernando Tatis Jr. Um how is baseball like making an effort right now? I feel like there's a teensy bit more of an effort here post lockout, but how do you feel like they're making an effort? Where do they have room to grow here? I feel like anytime one of them hits a home run, it should be blasted everywhere. I know when Steph Curry makes a crazy half court shot or something, that's all over Instagram. It's just blown up. I mean, TikTok, they don't, they maybe post a couple TikToks a week. They should have five of a day. You know, you should pick games. You should do this. I think, promoting young players and doing things they've done a, a lot better and i think that all-star voting has really picked up on that because they have content to post but i think more of like john boy does a really good job of really going like off the field and like having people in that and analyze that i think i just feel like even like on espn they don't really talk about baseball they just kind of show like basic things and it's like i was watching the game as like Cincinnati Reds, oh, they're a dumpster fire, and they're talking about it. They end up winning the game. It's like I feel like they're just kind of like bashing it, and I feel like we're just kind of stuck in the old ways of not understanding the analytics and all the home runs, the strikeouts. We're still like – we're still getting used to all the celebrations. We're still getting used to those newer things, and that this generation is bringing the liveliness of we want this to kind of be a fun atmosphere, kind of like a party. And I think that's kind of – everybody's kind of – learning it as we go and people are trying new things and oh this didn't work or this works like I know Miami has a club in left field I know uh like the Braves have the battery thing and I think everybody's seeing like oh that's really fun for fan of environment and I feel like we're trying to get that really raised up but we haven't quite figured like social media part part yet I totally agree with you. And that's like one of the main reasons we wanted to create just baseball, right? We saw the way that the game was being covered and we thought that we could effectively do it at least a little bit different. I mean, not to say better, but Mm -hmm. just different and and provide a different outlet for that. But I feel like another part of the issue too, is just how the way pitchers and hitters train and the way that we look at numbers these days too. And I feel like that starts with driveline or at least that driveline creates a lot of controversy, at least on Twitter, at least when I see like 56 year old men, basically basically tell me that like, I mean, this is outdated. I mean, why are they in their underwear testing biomechanics, like, (laughs) you know, pitching what's going on here. But then I'm, I'm on the other side being like, that's the new wave. They're just going to be smarter Mm -hmm. and they understand their bodies a little bit more. Can you speak to kind of your experience with driveline and kind of that difference, the contrasting between the new fan and the old fan and all this new data that we now have and how much it's helping you? Yeah. I mean, the data is huge. I mean, whenever I can, I had somebody text me today about some guy and it's like, what do you got on this guy? And I like, whenever we have a whole site that I can look up every player, every team, and I can find out his hot zones and, What's yep. his swing percentage, awesome. how hard he throws his fastball, everything. And I saw uh, against righties, he had like a 43% swing in the straight on curveballs that were over 83 miles an hour. So, and this guy threw an 85 mile an hour curveballs, like just throw him a bunch of curveballs. The odds are in there. For me, on the instance of this was something I looked at uh, when I was kind of coming down after the rough uh, big league outings, and it was sliders on the outer part of the plate, what guys hit. I had not given up a single hit on the outer part of the plate to righties on a slider. And it was one of those like, oh, I don't have to be perfect and it doesn't have to be down and in. I can leave it over there. And that was the game against Jacksonville. I struck out 11 and I think I had like 
five backdoor slider for strikeouts for that. And was just throwing off the plate and letting it do its thing, come back over the plate, learning that. And it was like curveball that had a 45% swing and miss rate to lefties. I'm starting to implement that more. Sorry if I just gave away my scouting tip from tomorrow night, um, but <laughs> just something like along those lines and just like hit fastballs up, yeah, guys hit this, they swing and miss so much. And I think we're learning on how to attack hitters in a way where we have numbers. And it's like, you throw that ball in the inner part of the plate to say Acuna, he hits a hundred. Yeah. You throw it on the outer part of the plate, he hits 455. And it's like, we're, we're going to take those odds. I'm going to throw that, this ball in. We just have that. And then you have all, so much like video analysis for hitters so they can see how they're swinging, how did he set them up. And then you have the vertical breakage. Like, oh, this guy's literally throwing sliders at me and the breaking starting here. And anything away is going to be a two seam. So they can start sitting that anything away, I'm not going to swing at. And that's when you get those sliders in the other batter's box that guys are swinging at. And you're like, why is he swinging at that? Well, he's waiting for that to two seam back and into his barrel and he's going to take it 450. I, I'm going to say something and you got to tell me if I'm an idiot and I'm totally wrong. Okay. Um, I think that you need to stop doubting the intelligence level of data conscious baseball players because, you know, yeah, you could say the game is getting more complex. Yeah. You could say these numbers are just overflowing and it's, it's way too complicated of a game now, but players like yourself, pitchers like you, and I've talked to so many smart hitters they go through this funnel process with the numbers where you can turn a, a, a weighted on base average on pitches on the outside half of the zone into, I should throw breaking balls outside to this guy. Mm -hmm. That's a very simple thing to compute in your brain and have when you face a guy like, you know, O'Neill Cruz or Jiwan Bay last week. I mean, I feel like, you know, people will immediately label these numbers and these advanced analytics is super complex when in reality you can simplify them as, as simple. You can funnel them as deep as you want. Can mm -hmm. I play quickly devil's advocate here? Like, is there, is there also a point to that point where it becomes too much and you start overthinking? Just wanted to put that out there too. 100% that could happen. 100% because you got to think like the average big league miss a couple of years ago, I think Bauer posted about something he was doing something this off season talking about the average miss. It was like 12 to 17 inches. It's like the half the plate to the full plate. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the average miss, you know? So like not everybody's perfect. You're going to throw pitches down the middle. You look at a lot of guys heat maps on their fastballs and it's middle, middle or middle up. It's still in the zone because that's where you have to throw the ball and you're not going to be perfect paint in the corners. So I think it's one of those knowing guys hit, 171 on my slider i'm gonna throw sliders when i need an out and or i've been big on talking to guys like you get to o2 don't waste a pitch go to your swing and miss pitch if your swing and miss pitch is your slider throw your slider because you want the swing and miss you're trying to get the out just get them out in three pitches and i've been big on like four pitches or less let's get them in out let's get on if you're gonna hit the ball let's hit it early you get to two strikes you're in my world now and i'm gonna make you swing and miss building on that for a guy like you how important is pitch economy that's biggest, that's, especially as a starting pitcher. And even in the bullpen, if bullpen, if you're going back-to-back -back days in the big leagues, you have to be pitch efficient. You can't throw 25 every time you go out. You're not going to be pitching much. You're going to be – everybody else is going to be at 70 appearances. You're going to be at 50 because you're struggling through innings. You want to get these quick outs. You want to get – you, you want to get into positions to make yourself successful. So if you're on the attack and you're not getting behind guys, because a lot of these home runs in the big leagues, it's like a 2-1 fastball because he missed with a breaking ball, missed with a breaking ball. All right, 2-0, oh, I'm going to throw a changeup now. Oh, you got a strike. All right, 2-1, then you throw him a fastball and he hits it out of the ballpark. Well, you were behind. So it's really getting ahead, getting 0-0. Oh, oh. And you look at the averages of guys that from 0-1 to 1-0, oh, it's ridiculous. You just see that. It's like a 100-point difference. It's like 233 versus like 333. I don't know if those are exact, but it's just like one of those, those numbers that you should know of being like, and that helps you kind of think of like, if I can just get ahead here, I can be successful. Yeah. And can I just bring you back to the offseason, too? Because the last time that we were able to speak with you it was before the lockout. It was before Freddie Freeman signed. It was before mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. So, you know, you started in 2020 and had a, you know, you were in 2021, 2022. Like, during those years with pandemic, lockout, it's been tough. I mean, it's just been tough. You dealt with the pandemic, right. you dealt with the lockout. Like, how was this offseason so much different than any other, like, even different from the pandemic offseason? But what were you able to gain, I guess, from this offseason dealing with all this nonsense? Yeah. I kind of felt like whenever spring training was actually supposed to start, I wasn't fully ready because I had like been off the mound like five times, but that was also, I'd never played until November. Yeah. So I, I, I was behind because I took my, I was, I was going to take two weeks off of doing 
uh, throwing, I went to throw. My body was like, yeah, I'm just not ready to throw yet. I was like, all right, I'm giving you another week. And then I started throwing the next week. And it was like, all right, my body's telling me, you have to listen to your body. Your body's going to tell you, I'm ready to do that or I'm not. You're not going to go run a marathon without training because your body's going to be like, stop. Yeah. So it's the same thing kind of my throwing. I'm not going to go first day of not throwing for three weeks and go long toss. So my body's going to be like, no, we're not going to do that. So it's one of those kind of just had to build up and be stronger. And that was something because I got hurt last year and that was kind of something my legs were super strong, but my upper body didn't feel very strong. So I felt a little weaker in the shoulder. So I was like, all right, I need to get some mass back. I need to get my strength back because I was I'm a big, strong guy. So it was one of those I need to get that. And then it's mobility. And then you're kind of growing from that. But I think just throwing wise was getting that extra time to kind of hone in everything of mechanically. I think mid the lockout is when everything started to start to click. And that was probably a week into spring training. But instead of it being spring training and I'm like, oh, I finally figured it out. I had another month to kind of grow with it and be like, okay, I want to work on this pitch today. I want to throw it here. And really, I want to execute the slider here. I want to do the curveball. And I think that was a big thing of just throwing curveballs for strikes was big for me. And then just burying it when I get the opportunity. And I think I got to practice that more and more and got more comfortable. We talked with you, I guess, a couple weeks, maybe a month or a month and a half after you started game five. And, you know, we talked about that clubhouse dynamic during the postseason. Um, and speaking to Peter's point, you know, you lose a top three first baseman in baseball, you replace him with a top three first baseman in baseball, um, <laughs> which is, is super underrated. Like Matt Olson is for some reason, the most disrespected guy in baseball over the last six months. Um, but obviously, Freddie coming back to Atlanta stole the show this past weekend. How has the clubhouse dynamic changed, if at all, from having Freddie in there to now Matt being there? I think, I think we're just a younger feeling group now. I think like I think we're just all because our core is very young. I mean, Matt Olson's very young. Cunha's very young. Ozzy's very young. Dansby's very young. I think that was just kind of they're the core they're max freed i think we and then we have the older guys where it's they're good it's kind of like uh like frosting on the top you have the really good vets you have will smith you have darren o'day who are tremendous people they go out there and compete every day out of the bullpen you have tyler matzik and luke jackson jack uh jacking around all the time having a good vibe and then you have just our core group where it's like these guys are all stars every year that they go out there and they can perform and i think we can really build on that i think it's a good vibe i mean team dinners are fun the plane rides are fun we got poker games going on we got a good we got music going on during the bus we're telling stories I think we're just a, we're a good clubhouse vibe and I think everybody's really enjoying them we're still the reigning world series champs I mean yes we lost Freddie but we also did get Matt and it's yeah. one of those the big core is still here it's not like we had to replace half of them I'm trying to think of Moneyball where they had to replace those three guys and it was just like here's the team. Yeah. We're taking half of it. And it was gone. It wasn't that it was just like, okay, we got the guy. He's, he's almost as good, if not just as good or better than Freddie. It just kind of depends, I guess, who's pitching that day or whatever the case may be. I mean, they're incredible. They're both gold glovers. They both can crush the ball. They're going to hit 30 home runs every year. So I think it's just been awesome to just see everybody. And he fit right in. I mean, I think second day of spring training, he went golfing with everybody and it was just like, okay, like you're, you're a bro. We're going to be fine. You're a land of native. This is awesome. Yeah. yeah, we talked about it last time, too. I've Like, people forget the 2021 World Series was won by the freaking Atlanta Braves. Yeah. <laughs> but to that point, to that point, you lose Freddie, you bring in Matt Olson, at least on a talent level on the field. I mean, you're not yeah. skipping a beat. Pretty and much. you're certainly not skipping a beat this season either. But did you ever feel like when you've been up or even in Gwinnett, was there this World Series hangover? Because when you lose Freddie Freeman, you don't have that, I guess, constant veteran. I mean, you have Charlie Morton, so he kind of probably is playing that role. And you mentioned all the guys in the bullpen. But did you ever feel like almost nervous? Like, oh, man, the team, I don't know how we'll perform this year with the World Series hangover. Was that even talked about around the clubhouse of how to deal with that? Or is that just always been in the in the rear view with you guys thinking, I don't care, we're going to win it again this year? Yeah. I think, I think there was kind of a mixture of both. I think like after the first week we had all the, the ring ceremony, we had like, it was, they made it a whole weekend and it was, it was a lot. Like we had the parades, we had just, and I think it was one of those, like, it, it was freaking awesome. And I think all of us were like, okay, that was awesome. So, yeah. and I think it was just one of those, like when it ended, we were all like, okay, we can move on from this now. Like yeah. we can close this book 
let's go play the game, play the, a player game. And I think like once we got Acuna back, life started to get back into it. And then we go on this hot streak. And I'm really jealous that I wasn't on the team for that because it looked really fun. But <laughs> I was continuing to like grow down here. But it just looks fun. And they were having a blast and they're winning and they're playing like the reigning champs now. And I think it's one of those when my opportunity gets called back again, go in there and fit in. Just don't try to be too much. Don't try to be somebody you're not. Just go out there and be who I am. So last one for me, so much of what you did last year in game five and so much of what you've done so far this year has been be the guy there, be the firefighter. When there's a fire, you're there to put it out right now. And, right. and we saw that all postseason long. And with a guy like you, with a guy like Muller, with a guy like Elder, with a guy like, you know, down there, I mean, keep going. the, the number, <laughs> awesome. yeah, I can keep going. The number's going to be called. Um, this team looks like they're poised for another World Series type run here. Where's the buy-in with everybody? Are you guys ready to, to try and run this thing back? Yeah, I think absolutely. I think it's one of the, we know at some point they're going to need us. This, this is a long year and you never know what's going to happen and no it's doubt. about to get hot and they're going to be looking at innings and then, okay, we're going to skip so-and-so this week. We're going to call up full of our spots are you throw great you're going to get another look you yes. don't throw well well we get that but it's one of those you've got to be ready and we're we're still developing and looking at this long term if i can be better and we always kind of say like the minor leagues you're not just pitching for that organization you're pitching for 29 other teams because everybody knows the trade deadline happens and we might need a second baseman you know we just lost ozzy whatever we might need a second baseman they might pull that trigger and it might be me for Ian Happer, somebody, I don't even know. I'm just trying yeah. to spitball. But it's just like one of those, I might go so-and-so there just because they need somebody and they're in need. They're down a pitcher. It's always like that. So you just never know what's going to happen. And I think it's one of those, we're all trying to pitch for a long time. Yes, we're focused on this year, but we can only control where we are, where we are. So down in Gwinnett, we can only make the most every fifth day. When we go out there, we can compete, we can do our thing. If we're in the big leagues. Yeah, I'm going to help that team win or I'm going to try to, and I'm going to still do what I do in Gwinnett. Yes. But that's how fucking good the Braves are. They just put in Orlando RC at second base. Like, are you kidding me? And now he's yeah, at like he 330. 330. And then you pull up Michael Harris. He looks like a gold glover in center yeah, field. Hey, and he said 330. Let him let, let him keep sleeping under the radar. Let him keep sleeping under the radar. I don't think he he's is unbelievable. anymore. He's People unbelievable. just saw him on Sunday Night Baseball. I mean, how can how can you sleep on him at this point? Yeah. And I was I was under the assumption. I'm like, doesn't he have to go through some rookie wall like any human being? Like shit, when pitchers end up mm -hmm. making adjustments, like isn't this supposed to happen? And then I keep waiting for it to happen. It's just not happening. I mean, yeah, it's when, we've kind of been like, I wonder when, like, is he going to have that adjustment? When is he going to hit that? Are the league going to adapt? That's kind of the big thing. When the book yeah. gets out on you, how's the league going to adapt? And that's kind of the sophomore slump they talk about. Yeah. And it was kind of like, okay, how is this going to happen? Guys usually hit well for a first month and they kind of figure out. But then you have guys that like Acuna, just they, they've got it. They, he sees the game in slow motion. I think we all see that. But it was funny in 2020 at the alt side, they were seeing if he could switch hit. So I've only faced Mike Harris right-handed. Huh. Did 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 yeah. it well? He probably did it. It was it wasn't it was not his left-handed swing, <laughs> but it wasn't bad because he's so athletic. I mean, he was supposed to go, I think he was going to Texas Tech to play football too as well. That sounds right. So I think yeah. he's he's an unbelievable athlete and was like, We're not playing this year, so you might as well figure that see if you can figure this out. And I it just was your left-handed swing is that much better. And then I think towards the end he started facing lefties lefty lefty again and was just way more comfortable that way. But yeah, he uh only faced him right-handed. Also, yeah, last one for me, too, and th this has nothing to do with the Braves or anything like that. I just remember we were talking about it on the TikTok live um, that you were we were talking about you just throwing gas and you're like, man, whenever I'm indoors, like I'm just 95 to 97, like I'm just lighting up the radar gun. Would you prefer to pitch in a dome stadium? <laughs> OK, OK, that, OK. It's funny that you say that because I have never pitched in a dome stadium until Milwaukee and it was oh, that's what cool I'm saying. It was kind of cooler that day and it had been hot down here in the South. So I just remember and I was like, the ball just feels a little bit like I didn't have any, like, sometimes you get some tack when it's humid out there. Like you're, it just grips a little bit better because you're trying to keep your hand dry. But my hand was just so dry because it was inside. I think I just like, couldn't, I had to like, took me a little bit to like figure out, like spin on the curveball. I'm like, oh, I really got to get over here today. I don't have anything to like kind of help like pull it a little bit that way but i didn't have any like feel like tackiness like when you go to the rosin sometimes when it's hot it'll give you a little bit like it feels like stick just because it's drying it out but when it's super dry that rosin can make it kind of sandy feeling 
So yeah. I don't like that sandy feeling. So I just kind of was riding no rosin, and just hoping for the best that day. <laughs> and the reason I wanted to ask that is because of that start. I remember I was talking about on the live that you were just throwing gas up, that you looked phenomenal in the dome. And I was like, <laughs> wait a minute. Like, this is, this is something that's happening. <laughs> maybe, um, oh, maybe. We'll see. Real quick. Last one from me. Have they fixed the baseballs yet? Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. That sucks. Sucks. Yeah. Just yep. sucks, dude. Uh, uh, I think that, I think they change them like depending on the game. Oh gosh. Also, and and just to end it again, I I saw that you saw our TikTok too of that of that kid making the case um, that he doesn't like the minor leagues, right? He doesn't like the minor leagues. Oh yeah, that got developed enough. Hard. And I, I thought that was one of the worst takes I've ever heard. I mean, just straight I, up yeah, like the, one of the worst takes the I've, worst ever take I've ever heard. And I don't even want to really ask your opinion on it because it's clear your opinion. Like, of course, you could develop the minor leagues. I mean, of course. Yeah. No, that's that, man. Tucker Davidson, this was awesome. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. I love how easy that conversation is with him. Every single time. He's, he's such a good dude, and he understands his body so well, and he's able to articulate a lot of the stuff that, you know, sometimes big league players, um, you ask them, like, what they're doing, and some of them just don't know. Some of it's just really natural to them. But yeah. Tucker can break down everything and it's so cool to just be able to pick his brain because he's been up you know when the majors down to Gwinnett and he's just been performing and performing and we were talking about the depth of the Braves you know from from all the way up to Max Freed all the way down to Gwinnett with even Huascar Yanoa like right. if, if Tucker was on a different team he'd be in the bigs I mean these are all big league arms all of them are big league arms yes uh what I loved was like he screamed mentally healthy <laughs> and understand understanding his role and knowing what he can control and what he cannot control. Um, like his ability to speak to being able to just compartmentalize and say, I'm going to go out and wherever I am, whether it be in Atlanta or Gwinnett and, and try my best to shove and know that I'm a very good pitcher, you know, I'm going to go do that. Like that is the only thing that I can control. I can't control, you know, how guys are performing around me and, and things like that. I think that's perfect. And I think that perspective with every mature guy that is comfortable with the position they're in, it's shared by a lot of major league and, and even AAA baseball players where they know like, okay, I can just zen out for a little bit because I know exactly what I can control. Mm -hmm. And I know that there are so many things that I cannot do anything about. Okay. I have a question for you. Yes. Max Freed is second in baseball in F4. Among pitchers? <laughs> Yes, among all pitchers in baseball. Is Gosman still first? Gosman is still first, which is I don't incredible. know how. I yeah. don't know how he 3.3 compared to Max Free to 2.8. So like that a might be a sizable lead. I yeah. don't it might be a glitch. I have no idea. But we at least we know Max Free is really good. The F4 thing does matter. We know he's really yes. good. Yes. So I'm thinking this morning, and I saw on Twitter as well, and even Arm responded. Um, who's the best lefty in baseball? And Arm responded McClenahan. You know. Is Freed the best lefty in baseball, or is it McClanahan, or is it somebody else? McClanahan. You think it's McClanahan? Yes. Hmm. Because I was trying to rack my brain. You know, if I need one start, I might. It's so hard. Do you, you have know Max what? Freed's numbers in front of you? No, but I can pull them up quickly. Pull them I mean, up well, quickly. Well, well, because we know McClanahan's having a Cy Young caliber type season. McClanahan is second in all of baseball in ERA. He leads Major League Baseball in strikeouts. McClanahan is seventh in Major League Baseball in innings pitched. He's second in batting average against. He's the Major League leader in whip. That's pretty good. <laughs> Only place I see... Only place I see Freed's name on the top 10 leaderboards is innings pitched. But then again, I mean, give a little bit of credit to Max Freed because he's 72 with the 277 ERA. He's got 92 Ks and 94. 277 ERA, McClanahan sub two. I know. I guess you would say that McClanahan is the best, or, but that's the thing. It's, I'm not asking who's been the better pitcher through the first three months the of the pitcher. season. Yes, because yeah. McClanahan's been the better pitcher. I'm saying one start knowing what Freed has been able to do in the biggest spots. And that's kind of unfair to McClanahan just because he hasn't gotten that opportunity yet. We can't bash him for it. 
But in my head, I need one start from a lefty in all of baseball. It's hard for me not to say Max Freed, even though McClanahan has been phenomenal this year. But it's not like Freed's been pitching bad. Freed has been one of the best left-handed pitchers in baseball still. I think there are a handful of freak of all freaks. Um, You see a lot of hitters that are just unbelievably freaky. Uh, Trout, Acuna, Tatis, those guys. There are two pitchers that just strike me as unbelievably freaky, and that's Sandy and McClanahan. Hmm. Those two are cyborgs. They're not real human beings. Agreed. And if we're talking lefties, Julio Arias' name has to be thrown in there too. Yeah, but I'm still taking McClanahan, man. You give me one start, I'm giving the ball to Shane, and I'm like, all right, pump 99 and drop in that stupid curveball and a tight slider and let's call game. So you know what I did um, over the weekend in our prize pick space, which you can find the, the link in our episode description as well. We're playing a bunch of prize picks um, yes. and it's been fun. So we're basically playing player props, right? And I took McClanahan under one and a half earned runs against the Pirates. And he threw seven innings with only one earned run and struck out nine because that's how confident I was. If I, if I know the team isn't elite at hitting left-handed pitching, he's going to turn in a phenomenal start. He's going to annihilate them. But the same thing could be said about Freed. He faced the Dodgers and shoved it down their throats. I don't know if there's a wrong answer here, Freed or McClanahan, because both are phenomenal. I think that speaks to how good Freed is, but then it also speaks to how good McClanahan is. These are just two of the best left-handed pitchers in the game. I think McClanahan's the best lefty in the game. Stand firm. I I don't know yet. I want more time. Okay. We'll reassess in a month. We'll reassess in a month. All right. Uh, Peter mentioned the prize picks link is in the episode description. Also, our loop link is in the episode description for cards and a free 20 bucks. Um, social medias, all that. Darren Ravel tomorrow, collectibles and betting. And with that, thank you, everybody. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.